If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, I'll be reading from the fourth chapter, verses 26 through 28. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. Here ends the reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. I'm not sure how many messages I got about what scripture I would be using for this morning's sermon. We could take a show of hands. Are you preaching on Romans 13? Are you going to give Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the rest of the administration a Bible lesson? Are you going to tell them what the Bible really says? Romans 13 is the scripture Mr. Sessions cited to justify our government's new policy of separating children from their parents because of their immigration status. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 reads, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is not authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. This passage has been a go-to for Nazi sympathizers and proponents of slavery. This really should be enough for anyone who is not a Nazi to not use this scripture to justify governmental policy. But here we are. This is why it is important to take the Bible seriously, not simply literally. A bit of context, Paul was writing to the church in Rome, attempting to convince Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians to get along, because if they didn't, they'd get kicked out of Rome. And then how would the way spread in Rome if they were all kicked out? At no point does Paul endorse policies of the murderous Nero, ruler at the time. He advises Christians to pay their taxes and settle their disputes with love. It's Clear that Mr. Sessions did not read the entire 13th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, for just a few verses below the text he quoted comes this. The commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, 
Love your neighbors as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. As far as Bible stories that tell of governments legally targeting immigrants by taking children away from their parents, there are a few. They involve Pharaoh and King Herod. Spoiler alert, God was not on their side. <laughs> In fact, she had some folks disobey the law to stop the injustice. Plenty of scripture exists to oppose the administration's current policy, including the prophet Isaiah, woe to those who pass unjust laws and drive the poor of their duty. Or the book of Exodus, you must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Or from the Gospel of Luke, it would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. We could go on. We could go on. But none of this is about the Bible or exegesis or interpretation. It's really not. It's about power, who has it, how they use it, and to what effect, or in a word, politics. And while the church isn't partisan, we are political. We have a say in shaping the community, specifically in keeping it from being homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, sexist, and racist. So I'm going to quit quoting scripture and tell you to vote. Vote like the lives of the children at the border depend on it, because they do. I'm done citing scripture to rebuke this administration over this particular atrocity, not because it's not important to do, it surely is. We cannot say nothing. We will continue to rebuke policies that do not reflect gospel values and refuse, we will refuse to allow sacred scripture to be used to oppress people. But because this is not really about the Bible, we can't get stuck yelling scripture at each other. There are other things for pastors to worry about, other things, not whether or not we can out-Bible this particular administration. What concerns me more is our selective outrage. I'm concerned we ignored the sins of the administration before this one, which at best deported just as many people as any president before, and at worst really did earn the title deporter-in-chief for lack of leadership on border policy. I'm concerned we don't connect the current refugee crisis to how the last administration wildly expanded drone warfare and how all those bombs we dropped served to boost fundamentalist recruiting efforts as angry survivors of American bombs looked for ways to avenge their dead. I'm concerned none of us said anything at the time. I'm concerned we are not interested in holding accountable people who happen to share our party affiliation. This is why my primary concern isn't the current administration. My main concern is us. I'm worried we feel so good pointing out how bad they are that we've forgotten to examine our own hearts. I'm concerned, too, that we'll start turning off the news and folding up the newspaper, not open it at all. I'm worried we'll say we just can't stand to watch 
to hear the stories, to know what's going on. I'm worried our privilege will allow us to turn a blind eye. I'm worried we'll turn our backs because we can. More than anything, I'm worried that we'll start feeling hopeless and stop doing what we can where we are with what we have. So instead of preaching an interpretation of Romans that you already agree with, I'm sticking with the lectionary's selection from the Gospel of Mark, a parable of Jesus. Hear it again. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. If we were reading the parable in Greek, the ground is said to produce of itself. The ground literally is said to produce automatically. The ground is automatic. First the tiny green blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The ground, the automatic ground, the automatic earth has within itself the power to make a seed become a plant. And so the kingdom of God is likened to automatic earth, earth that can be trusted to produce of itself, making the harvest seem both a gift and a miracle. And even though we know a little bit more about the, more than the author, about how a garden grows, there is still something delightfully mysterious when we see new life sprouting up from the ground. The automatic earth sounds lovely, poetic, but surely this short little paragraph isn't enough of a foundation to build a life on. It's not too hard to keep ourselves from worrying about flowers and vegetables, but surely this parable isn't really about life. The automatic earth can be trusted, but there is nothing automatic about life, especially the big stuff, especially all the big stuff happening right now. As far as I can tell, it is our anxiety that is automatic, not anything else. How many of us for the last 18 months have woken up and checked the news expecting World War III to have started. But we want, we want to trust the automatic earth. We want to believe that things will be okay, that bad things won't happen, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, that we will not only have enough but more than enough, that the hungry will be fed and our children will study war no more. And yet, every so often, and with increasing regularity, doubt begins to cloud our vision. Fear settles in our bones. Just when we think we cannot be surprised, someone uses scripture to justify harming children. Just when we think we're making progress, an America first candidate wins a primary. Just when we think a line has been drawn, another inflammatory tweet is sent across the Twitterverse. Is this why Jesus said that the poor will always be with us? And if that's the case, what does 
anything we do even matter? Why scatter seeds if we aren't sure anything is going to grow? So we busy ourselves with other things besides scattering seeds. We read book after book on spirituality, even though we never actually sit down to engage in a spiritual practice. We shake our heads at the latest quote from a politician, but don't bother to knock doors for the young black female candidate. We pick up the paper from the end of the driveway and hurry back inside, even though we hear the neighbor's garage door open. We start hoarding everything, canned food, bottled water, our time, our talent, everything that we have been given and earned, making sure that we have enough, maybe we'll share after our own storehouses are filled. Because that is what hopelessness does. It pulls us into ourselves so that we don't trust anyone. We are all fear and no faith. But here again the parable. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. That first part is crucial. Someone scattered seed on the ground. The man did not keep the seeds in his pockets, but he could have. I mean, what if the seeds are scattered and nothing happens? We don't want to waste our seed and go unappreciated or unacknowledged. What if something happens to us before the seeds grow into plants and are ready for harvest? Don't we deserve to see every single fruit of our labor? Or what if nothing grows? What if we scatter seeds and we don't see anything change? And before we know it, our fist is closed tightly around what we have and we shut down to what is all around us. Hopelessness would have us hide the seeds under the mattress. Maybe we'll scatter seeds tomorrow. But no, the seeds must be scattered today, every day, scattered with faith that the automatic earth will do what it does. Trust that scattering is our job, and after that, the things that seem unexplainable, the unexpected gifts, the miracles, the seeming coincidences, it is all really part of the automatic earth, the mysterious divine, what we have decided to call God. That takes a bit of courage, Courage isn't the absence of worry, but the willingness to go on in spite of it. Choosing to scatter seed, to face life and death, the unknown, to be generous, to do what we can with what we have. We choose to scatter seed even during a dry season, even when the conditions aren't just right, because there is the promise of the automatic earth. We choose courage even while knowing that we cannot choose it just one time, but must keep choosing it over and over again every day, just as we keep choosing love. This is our work, to scatter seeds, empty our pockets, turning them completely inside out, opening our hands and letting the seeds fly out. They will land where they land, and a few will feed the birds, but most of them will fall into the ground. And there in the dark, where we cannot see and do not know how, 
the automatic earth turns them into life, helping them push through dirt and rocks and whatever else is in the way. Then something appears where there was nothing before, a gift and a miracle. When we let go of that hopelessness, the fear that closes us off to everyone and everything else, that is where faith exists, faith that God will be God, that the automatic earth will produce of itself because we have scattered seed and we are freed from the debilitating hopelessness that suffocates generosity and kindness. We scatter seed on the ground. We work at supporting each other, serving those in need, using what we have to create a more just social order. Some of the seeds will take longer to grow, of course, and we won't get to see even the tiny green blade that first pushes through the soil, much less the full-grown plant. And then sometimes we'll get to see what grows, and it won't look like what we thought it would. But our job isn't to make the seed grow or to tell it how to grow. The automatic earth will do that. Our job is the scattering. So let us be faithful, church, to scatter those seeds attend an iftar dinner, offer a prayer outside the ICE office, work the food bank, send money to the ACLU, offer prayer and lament, march in the pride parade, write and call our legislators, listen to a first grader practice reading, or help a second grader with subtraction, deliver flowers, share a glass of lemonade with your neighbor over the fence, all the while trusting that change will come even if we don't know how, that kindness multiplies and that love grows love. Our patron saint, Michelle Obama, once said, <laughs> she once said, when they go low, we go high. And to that I'll add, high and wide. When they go low, we go high and wide with our ski seed scattering, trusting the automatic earth to take care of the rest, for we know that the seed will sprout and grow, though we do not know how. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.